this is Keep Up. I'm your host, Cynthia Dill. It's Friday, March 1st, 2024, and joining me by phone is the legendary Harold Pacius. Welcome, Harold Pacius. Thank you very much. Glad to be with you. Well, it's always an honor, actually, to have you as a guest, Harold. And for listeners who might not know why you are a legendary figure in Maine and in in the, the country, really, in the world, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Well, let me straighten you out first. I'm, I'm not legendary in the world. I'm not legendary in the country. Legendary, as people say, maybe in my own mind, but that's it. I, I, my, my, my problem, Cynthia, is I have, I'm old, and I've met a lot of people uh, over the years uh, that have made a difference and are famous, and they're they're in a much different league than me. But thank you for saying that anyway. Well, let's talk. Let's just begin then with the age question, because you yeah. started your political career, you know, in the White House as an assistant press secretary. So, and you've done so much, and you bring so much to the table. Do you think age, in you know, for instance, in the presidential election, what what's your belief about how we're talking about age in this day? An era of politics. Well, well, one size doesn't fit all. I mean, uh, I'll be 88 in six months, uh, but uh, I know 88-year-olds that function better than I do, and I know 88-year-olds that function much worse than I do. I know George Mitchell. He's 90, and he functions great. It's He's amazing. He's absolutely amazing. But I know people 10 years younger who don't function so well. So I don't think it's the age. I think it's the person. And it's when, it, just, when it comes to the person that is currently the president of the United States, yeah. do you have an opinion about whether age makes Joe Biden either, you know, I don't know, competent to be president? I don't. Well, I don't know about the competency. I mean, there's ways to check people's competency. I'm a lawyer. I, I had a case not long ago where... It's about mental competency, but uh, I, I would say Biden has a perception problem, and that is that he walks very slow, as I do, and he walks gingerly, like he's worried about falling down. And if you look at his face, uh, his face looks old, and his eyes are narrow, and so he has the misfortune of looking very old. I think he looks older than me. So it's just, we all age in different ways. Uh, skin at the same age may look different on one person than another person. So I do think he looks old and I think he walked very gingerly. And so therefore I think he gives off the impression of oldness. Do you think that he's treated unfairly though, that there's ageism? in some of the attacks, you know, against him. Like for me, somebody who doesn't remember necessarily the names of all the presidents and all the dictators around the world, that doesn't bother me as much as what sort of decisions they make and the people that they have around them. So I, I feel that Biden's age is some somehow, you know, sometimes unfairly uh, used as, you know, as sort of an insult against him. What do you make of um, the, the, you know, you... You know, you've been around the block when it comes to politics. You were a supporter of Elliot Cutler, I believe. Is that true? Yes. 
Okay, as well as obviously a Democratic, um, you know, a, a appointed by a Democratic president to serve, as well as reappointed by a Republican president. Where would you put yourself on the partisan spectrum at this point in your life? I'm a Democrat. I'm a moderate. Uh, I don't think that the Democrats have all the answers. Uh, and I don't think everything that every Republican has said is wrong. So I think I'm uh, uh, somewhere slightly to the left of the middle. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a capitalist, I'm not a socialist. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I believe in democracy. I think Donald Trump is a threat uh, to our country. I think that, uh, I think that um, the past is prologue, history is important. All you have to do is size up people. We all size up each other. He has uh, been showing off to the public for four years. He wants everybody to notice him. He wants everybody to, you know, and so I've been paying attention. And if you pay attention, and particularly if you paid attention and understand what he did as a president, uh, refusing to leave office, misleading the country, uh, starting an insurrection that people say, oh, it wasn't an insurrection. Or what's an insurrection? Uh, he tried to impede a constitutional process in uh, Washington, counting the votes. He knew exactly what he was doing. He brought the people to Washington. He incited them. Uh, he told them to march on the Capitol. He wanted to march. He wanted to be there himself. He had a big fight in his limousine because they wouldn't let him go. So, uh, look, the evidence is the evidence. I'm a lawyer. You can't the, the, the evidence is there, and there is no counter evidence. He has no defense to this. So I think he's, uh, he's uh, guilty of a crime of conspiring to overturn a constitutional process in the United States. Well, the you worst said, possible. Go you, ahead. Well, I sorry to interrupt. What I, what I was going to say is you, you said that there's, there's no defense, but isn't like my next question was going to be, what do you make of the Supreme Court of the United States, which now obviously has a majority, thanks to Donald Trump, taking up this issue of whether or not he's immune from, you know, inciting an insurrection? Well, 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 we'll see. I mean, I, I, I don't, I think to, to, to rule that a president is immune from prosecution uh, for any crime he commits as president of the United States is probably the end, as I told one of my conservative friends uh, recently. Uh, we will have a left-wing president one of these days. It goes back and forth, and they won't like it uh, if uh, that left-wing president behaves like Donald Trump, acts the way he does, and has the same immunity from criminal prosecution. The left-wing Democrat will get elected one day. Uh, this is just a certainty in our country. And if he's immune from prosecution, we got problems. We had Huey Long was a great uh, populist, a great Democratic populist. He was a Democratic governor of Louisiana and the Democratic senator from Louisiana. And he was, he paid attention to any of the law. He was like Donald Trump in many, many ways. If anybody wants to understand uh, uh, Trump, they should read about Huey Long. 
Well, if Huey Long uh, felt that he could not be prosecuted for any crime, he would have committed many more crimes than he ever committed. Why not? What's the downside? We're all human. If there's no guardrails, there's no punishment, there's no consequences, as Trump suggests, then people will do anything. They won't stop at a thing. Do you have an opinion about whether or not the main Secretary of State disqualifying Donald Trump from the ballot based on her finding that there, he had engaged in an insurrection and therefore was disqualified? What, what Do you think that that was a good way to respond to the threat? Or was well, that she, had no, she had no choice. She's the Secretary of State and she has to follow the election laws. And so uh, people... Uh, uh, collect signatures to get on ballot, and uh, the Secretary of State is required under law. It's not something they can, uh, that's discretionary. They're required to determine whether the candidate meets all the qualifications for candidacy. And she had no choice. She had to do that. Well, uh, three people, actually four, uh, contested the qualifications, and they filed a petition with her and said, that uh, uh, he, he's not qualified because he, he participated or gave aid and comfort to a res- an insurrection. Well, uh, she had to make that decision and she had to take under the law evidence. So she was required within five days to issue a notice of hearing after, ref- after these uh, people file the objections. The, the three critical people who file the objections we're Democrats. I mean, we're Republicans. They were former Maine Republican senators. So she had to take action. She had to, under the law, notice a hearing. She had to hold the hearing. It had to be an evidentiary hearing. It had to be conducted in accordance with the evidentiary provisions of the Maine Administrative Procedure Act. She had no discretion. The only discretion she had was after taking the evidence, after listening to the evidence, she could have decided it did not uh, uh, violate the constitutional prohibition uh, uh, against uh, participating in an insurrection. Uh, and she could have left it that, or she could have decided it did. She decided it did violate uh, the 14th Amendment, Section 3. That was her only discretionary act. The rest she had to do. Well, now you're, I know you were, you know, born and raised in Maine, in Cape Elizabeth, actually. Uh, went to Georgetown. No, I wasn't. No, I, no, I wasn't. I was born in New Haven, Connecticut. Oh, you were born in New Haven. Yeah. Oh. I didn't arrive until in Cape Elizabeth until I was five years old. Oh, okay. All right. So you're not really a Mainer then. No, I'm not. No, I'm from away. <laughs> but right now, I believe you're spending some time in Florida, like a lot of you know Maine people do well, this time well, of year. I'll be here. For, I'll be here for another three or four days, and, and I'll be back next week. So what are you hearing down in Florida about, like, Ron DeSantis and, and the... Because, I mean, Florida is... used to be purple, but now it seems I don't pretty know red. many pe- I don't know many people in Florida, and I, so I don't have many social dis- conversations, and I don't have many political... I don't have any political discussions. So I'm totally detached from politics down here. What about the, the, the final topic is, first, just briefly... Describe your experience in international and, uh, you know, 
foreign relations. And then I'm, I, I really am just curious what your take is on the Israel-Gaza conflict and whether or not it's going to split open the Democratic Party or cause, you know, World War III. Well, I've, uh, uh, I was chairman of the United States Commission on Public Diplomacy, as you uh, pointed out initially at the beginning of the program. Uh, I was initially appointed uh, uh, by Bill Clinton and confirmed by the Senate. And then in another term, I was appointed by George W. Bush and confirmed uh, by the Republican Senate. Uh, and I served in that capacity uh, three separate terms, 12 years. I traveled to the Middle East three times, four times. Uh, I've been to the West Bank. Uh, I've been to all the major cities of the West Bank. And uh, what do I think now? I think it was inevitable. Uh, the, the, the fact, what I believe is that there should be a Jewish homeland, and I believe that the Jewish homeland is where it should be right now. However, there is a history. And uh, Palestinians were displaced from their home. They were, they were, they were ex exiled from their land and end up in refugee camps, and nothing's been done about it since 1948. The war was fought in 48. Uh, uh, the Israelis won, uh, the Palestinians lost, and there's been nothing but trouble and sorrow for the Palestinians ever since. So there has to be a two-state solution. It's the only answer. Uh, is, if there is not a two-state solution, if there is not a homeland, for the Palestinians, then this war that we're seeing now between Israel and the Palestinians will continue for another hundred years. It won't ever end. Why would it end? How many times, you know, the West Bank is occupied territory. So again, I believe in, that the existence of Israel is critical. I believe in it firmly. And, uh, uh, on the other hand, I think there has to be a solution for the Palestinians, and the Israelis are the only people who can create that solution. Do you think Benjamin Netanyahu has to be out of the way if we're going to see any progress on the two-state solution? I, I think Benjamin Netanyahu is a criminal, and uh, I think that he is, you know, he has this right-wing, uh, very right-wing religious support that keeps him in office, and as long as he's in office... He's another guy like Trump. As long as he's in office, they can't prosecute him. Trump's big reason, obviously, for wanting to be president again is to protect himself. And the same with Netanyahu. They're very, very similar in that way. So I think, I think Netanyahu is an obstacle to peace. I think Netanyahu is responsible, is responsible for uh, allowing this Hamas outrage. I think I think you know you got to blame Hamas, but you also have to blame Netanyahu. He planted the seeds for this. Well, Harold Pages, that's uh, that's quite an indictment. Uh, <laughs> and uh, right. is anything giving you hope in the in the days ahead? Looking ahead at the election landscape in the world, there's a lot of gloom sure. and doom uh, in the newspapers. What, what what's yeah. on the bright side these days? History. There's been a lot of gloomy times in history. You're, I was alive, a young kid, uh, during World War II. The whole globe was aflame everywhere. 
There was no place on the face of this earth that was untouched by war. Now, it doesn't get worse than that. So we've had bad presidents, we've had good presidents, we've had crooked presidents, we've had honest presidents, but we survived. So uh, I believe in a, in, a, in a good future for the United States, but I think that it was take people have to have their eyes open and they have to face facts and they have to have the discernment ability to understand what's happening. And as long as slightly more than 50% of the people are to discern, are, can discern and exercise good judgment, we'll be okay. Well, Harold Pacious, thanks so much for joining the program. I really appreciate it. Okay. Look forward thanks to seeing to you back in Maine. Okay, thanks, Cynthia. Take care. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye.